Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist. Hi, I'm Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you today, Laura? I am wonderful. How about you? Doing pretty well. We're first day have... back to work. Yeah. Did you have a nice holiday? I had a nice one. I described it earlier as lazy and what did I say? Easy and lazy, or lazy and lumpy, or you said we were quiet fa- and quiet and la- and lazy. That's about right. We were um, pretty low energy for the whole. I did make it out on Friday for a little while to shop, but not long. And other than that, we laid around and watched a lot of sports and relaxed. It was really nice. Well, as usual, I'm the polar <laughs> opposite. <laughs> Ours was loud and busy. Both the boys, of course, were home from college. And, you know, since Tyler's married, that meant his wife was with him as well. But, you know, we've known her forever, so that wasn't that much of a change from the past several years for holidays. But that was a lot of fun. And I told you earlier they had a new puppy. And so, again, that was quite different um, at my house. So I probably didn't share my... uh, animal stories in my previous history with animals on the show. We'll just let it go at that. Uh, but it was, okay. it was a great holiday. Yeah, it was fun, but it was really, really, really cram-packed, busy with everybody doing different things. One day we all kind of worked at home and everybody sort of did their own thing, but, but, but it was still really, really um high energy because everybody was in the same room and we all had laptops or projects or working on something and then we had you know again sports on in the background so it was fun though it was fun for everybody to be together i i love that so well yeah you've kind of gotten used to just having one home now haven't you now you've inherited one so when everybody's there you do have a full house it feels very full, but I love it. It's a great, great, great day, and everybody cook, so that was fun. I hope people enjoy that as their kids get older and having them help participate with cooking. And I've never been in the kitchen by myself. Johnny's a great cook, so we've always done that together. But it's it's a lot of fun when everybody's in there. Okay. And we spent a lot of time gearing up for this week. This week we have our last uh, two conferences of the year or conference season for us, which is always in the fall. And so we'll be in Chicago on Thursday, which is the 29th, and on Friday the 30th. Thursday is completely sold out, and Friday there are still a couple of little slots. I think I announced that last week, too, um, on the show. And if you, by chance, you haven't heeded the warning and already signed up, there are still, again, I think I can take two more people for Friday only, and you'll need to email me at laura at teachmetotalk.com to get registration information. I cannot post that just for people to sign up like we normally do on the website because I'm afraid that, you know, 10 people would sign up for two slots. So you'll have to email me and get that information that um, no, it's no big deal, no big hassle. Just email me at laura at teachmetotalk.com. So that's one thing. And then I do want to say for next week's show, I am going to be ready to roll out all the details that new website that I've talked about, teachmetotalk.com, is not going away. This is a completely new uh, venture but it's related to what we do, what I've done for the past five years almost on TeachMeToTalk.com, but kind of a, an offshoot of that. So we decided instead of rolling it all into one website to get another completely different website up. Um, so I wanted to mention that, and next week we'll talk about all those details. And I'm super excited about it and can't wait to talk about what that is and what that looks like. And I think some things have even changed a little bit, Kate, since I've been telling you about it in our secret personal phone calls. Um, so that'll be 
that'll be fun to talk about next week. And I shot video for it all weekend. Uh, in addition to all that Thanksgiving stuff that we did, uh, so it'll be really fun to talk about that and roll that out and introduce that. So I'm hoping that that's what we'll talk about next week on the show. Today we have a special guest who's not with us yet. I told her to give us a few minutes at the beginning to kind of do our regular introductory blah, blah. So as soon as she calls in, we'll get her on here, but she's going to talk about her practice in the Barbados, which will be, should I say the Barbados or just Barbados? I'm thinking the Bahamas, so Barbados. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. I have offended anyone with that one. Um, So she'll talk about her practice and then all the other cool things she does. She has a blog. She has an online magazine for speech-language pathologists. And just looking at that content, you have just been on there and looked at some of that, and that's completely uh, relevant to your practice as a developmental interventionist. So I think to say it's just for speech pathologists is really kind of selling itself short, don't you think? Right. Yeah, although I will say there's some adult stuff on here, but I'm strictly young children. But yeah, the stuff that relates to young kids definitely relates to me as well. Yeah, I think so too. So that'll be fun to talk to her about that. And then she has another really cool thing that she does on Twitter too, but I don't want to give everything away. We'll wait till she's on and joining us and get to talk about all those cool things that she does. Uh, I did want to mention I do Twitter as teachmetotalk.com, but, boy, I don't tweet nearly as much as I do Facebook stuff. Now, are you on Twitter at all, Kate? I have an account only because my daughter made me one, but I never do it. Yeah. I like the social media stuff, but sometimes it does feel a little bit overwhelming to Mm. get everything coordinated all at once. I tweeted a lot from ASHA, and that was kind of fun. And then when you're following, like, a certain hashtag, like, you know, a hashtag is like a topic. You know that much right. about Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I heard <laughs> the lingo. <laughs> so you can insert a hashtag and search it, and then everybody who's talking about the same topic as you, all of their tweets will come up. And so I did that with ASHA, and we did ASHA 12 for, um, you know, 2012 the annual ASHA conference. And so it was cool to kind of tweet, and then people would tweet, like, bullet points or taglines from the conference that they were sitting in. So it was kind of cool to sit there and scroll through there, and you would be in, you know, one conference about autism, but you could read somebody else's comments about whatever other conference they were in. And so that's kind of cool to be able to... um, get that real-time update. Um, and, again, a lot of people will do, I don't want to say shows, but they'll have little little times where they're on Twitter where they will have a topic or a group of people and they'll all tweet about this topic. And it is like a conversation when you go back and forth like that. And I've done a couple of those with Sharika, and like I said, I'm not going to really give away everything we're going to talk about once she joins us, but but that's really how I've gotten to know her is through Twitter and through um, contact that we've had about her magazine, and then she was an online friend, and it was fun to meet her in person when we were in Atlanta for ASHA a couple of weeks ago. So I'm so glad she's going to be able to join us today and talk um, talk about the stuff that she does. Were you expecting well, me to say something there? <laughs> now's your time to jump in, Kate. I paused, so it's your turn to talk. Well, this is uh, maybe not what I should be saying, but hey, you asked me to talk. So I was looking at her, um, oh, her online magazine, and she has some other radio or podcasts listed on here, as well as she has yours, but there are some other ones. Well, I wondered it would be if ours. Ever... Ours, yes, ours. Um, I wondered <laughs> if you ever listened to any of these others. You know, I haven't, and only because of time. And then yeah. the other thing is 
and you know how weird I am about this. Sometimes when someone is doing something very similar to what I'm doing, I purposefully don't look at or read what they're doing because I don't want it to influence what I'm doing. Does that make sense to you? Right, yeah. And and you've known me for a long time, so you know how weird I am about stuff like that. (laughs) Uh, But I don't do that on purpose because I would never want I just want to do what we do and be original and not be comparative or anything like that. And the best way that I've found to do that is for me just to keep my nose to a grindstone and do what I do and not worry too much about other things. Now, that being said, that's not to say that I can't learn from other people. I read other people's stuff and do things all the time. But because the podcast is... um, you know, I had never really heard another podcast. I, you know, certainly have listened to other radio shows or talk shows or whatever you want to call it about completely different related topics, but I would never, I just haven't done that yet. So I don't know. Have you? Do you ever listen to any other podcasts besides ours? No. Uh, Laura, you know I didn't even know what a podcast was until I <laughs> did it for the first time. Like, podcast? What's that? <laughs> Now I do do know what they are, and I am aware that there are. I just didn't know there was another um, kind of related type podcast. I, I'm going to listen to it at least one show so I can hear what they're talking about and just how well, their format you, goes. You can I'll give let you me know. your version. That sounds good. And I'm not saying anything negative or any other. I don't even know who you're really talking about. I'm just. You're just kind of talking and back and forth with this. So I was just telling the truth with, no, I haven't listened to anybody else's show. I'm kind of giving my rationale behind that. All right. Here we go. Hi, you're there. Hi, I am. How how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Really, really good. So introduce yourself. Tell our listeners all about you. And I told Kate you had a really cool accent. I couldn't wait to hear you talk again. Oh, boy. Thank to... you. <laughs> I don't think I have an accent. But hi, I'm Sharika. I'm a speech and language therapist. I live in Barbados, which is a small but beautiful island in the Caribbean. Um, I run my own practice here, which is Easy Speak Enterprises. It's a private practice, so I work with children and adults in my practice. Yeah? Yes. When we were talking in Atlanta, Sharika, you said you see anybody that comes through the door that would want your services. And you you said you had so few speech pathologists in Barbados that that's kind of how everybody does it, right? Yes. Yeah, because there are only like four therapists here in Barbados for the whole country. And we're a country of about 280-something thousand people. So even right. though it's small, it's still big um, for the few speech therapists that are here. So we pretty much have to see everything, everyone that comes right. in. You can't really right. specialize. Now right. Now, what's the healthcare system like in Barbados? Do you have um, – go ahead. Mm-hmm. You go on. Well, I was just going to say, is it a system more like, you know, state system where everybody has their own – options or is it a one-payer system or how is that there? Well, what we have is that you have the public hospital, the public polyclinics, and then you have the private system as well. There's one public hospital in the country and then Uh there are a few which would be the the polyclinics. So I'm not sure what you call them in the U.S., like the little um, public clinics that you can go to. Yeah. Um, they are. They have, over the past couple of years, started a system where some children are seen, well, children or adults are seen by one speech therapist there, but she is the only speech therapist in government. Okay. Employed by government, so she's pretty stretched out. Right. I bet she's really stressed all the time. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think she needs vacation quite often. <laughs> yeah. Because it can get pretty busy. Right. Now, do you yeah. know all of the other speech pathologists, Sharika? Do. do you have personal relationships with them? Yeah. Um, I would say not really. Well, 
choice in a sense because I worked for two of them and then I and then I did internship with one of the others. Right. When I was doing my grad school because I I came from I studied in New Zealand but I was able wow. to come. Yeah, I know. I was able to come home and do internship for three months so uh-huh. I could ask what the system was like here and kind of to prepare me for moving back home to work here. Right. And before I, I started my own private practice, I worked with two of the other speech therapists before. So we keep in contact, but I find that there isn't the, you know, the network opportunity as a lot of people would have in the U.S. and stuff, because I guess everybody's really, really busy. I would think so, too. You know, even in the United States, though, I think it depends on where you live and what setting you live in or what setting you practice in as to how connected you are with other speech pathologists. Because I'll just, I just know working in our state early intervention program, when that was my primary thing, I hardly saw other speech pathologists. And I mostly saw people like Kate, who's a developmental interventionist, and then our OT friends and PT friends, because you served on teams with them, so your paths would cross more frequently, or Mm -hmm. you would seek each other out when you were talking about the same child versus someone doing the same exact job as you. You know, I, I don't think that speech pathologists talk to each other as often as people might think they do, especially if you're in private practice and not really connected in some yeah. kind of professional relationship. So that sure. I, that sounds, yeah, really similar to how I felt for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now I get to see more speech pathologists and talk to them since I have the website and do conferences and that sort of thing. So I actually feel more connected to our own profession than I ever have for all of those years when I was just in private practice and then seeing kids excuse me, as part of an early intervention team versus, you know, kind of how it is now. Mm-hmm. Well, I that has been a problem for me a lot, but it's changed so much recently, especially with the the whole emergence of social networking as right. a avenue for connecting with and networking with professionals from pretty much all over the world. And I know you see me on Twitter a lot of the time. And yeah. I've become really involved in professional networking through Twitter because that has so been talk mm-hmm. to us about how you started that and how you jumped into that because I'll bet that we have well I'll ne- I know that we have a ton of listeners who would like to do Twitter who would like to use that as another way to to maintain contact other mm-hmm. SLPs but they're not quite sure how to get started. So how did you get started? Kind of tell us your history and then what you would recommend for other people who are new to that. And, Kate, listen up because this would include you. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm ready. Make it really simple, please. I will try. <laughs> okay. So what happened is my friend, and he's not a speech therapist. He's just a random guy. Um, he told me about Twitter. This was this would have been about three years ago now. And when I first went on, I was like, um, okay, 140 characters. You're saying what's on your mind. What do I write here? You know, I just had a cup of coffee. I just went to the toilet. What's happening here? And it, it was something to follow celebrities, and I was saying, you know what, this isn't really working for me. But then I said, okay, let me see if there are any speech therapists on here. Yeah. So I started looking for some speech therapists. There weren't many at the time. There were about a handful, about five or so at the time, and we started talking. So and how then, did you find them, Sharika? I know how you did it, but talk about how you did that for someone who's brand new to Twitter, maybe they've only signed up, that they haven't yeah. really done much at all. How do you find other people? Well, initially, we didn't have any hashtags or anything like that. That's me speaking in Twitter jargon now. Right. I'll go to that in a bit. What I did was I just searched, did a simple search on Twitter for speech therapists, right? And a couple came up. So I uh-huh. followed because what you can do, you have something in on your taskbar, in your bar that says follow. 
you start to follow them, that means that you could see whatever they're saying at the time. Um, when you, mm-hmm. they say something you like, you could start interacting with them. All right, and then you you know you get that back and forth interaction. You start talking. So then a lot of other people started to join, and about just over a year or so ago, somebody coined the phrase SLP. So it's S L W P S. So Twitter has this thing with hashtags where you can put what's that key? The number key. The number key. Mm-hmm. The number key before it. That's a hashtag where you can speak on a to- a certain topic, and people can actually search for that number key with the hashtag, with the tag to it. So if somebody puts in SLP, um, they would see all the tweets that people are uh, mentioning using SLP, using that hashtag. Right. So suppose you say, oh, had a great therapy session, um, had a really great early intervention session, you put SLP at the end as that hashtag because you want people who are speech therapists to see that one. Or today I use bubbles in therapy and it got really good results. You put SLP at the end. So people can search that and see it and reply to it and follow you then as a speech therapist or follow you then as an early intervention therapist. Right. Right. And so, and when you're doing that, when you put that hashtag in, after you follow somebody, when you want to reply to them, there's a reply button on Twitter. I don't have Twitter right in front of me. And so, and again, yeah. So talk about that. Walk somebody through that, Sharika, because, again, we'll have a lot of newbies here who won't really know how to reply to someone or how to interact with someone unless we tell them how to do it. Yeah, so... Um, Say somebody's talking about something they did in therapy and they use that hashtag SLP. So you Uh see that and you say, oh, my goodness, I use bubbles today in therapy too. So you say, well, yeah, great, I use bubbles today in therapy. And you click, you have a little, you mouse over when you're on Twitter, you mouse over what they said and you see a button that says reply. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, you re- and it puts their name into it, and then you type whatever you want to say to them, and that goes directly to them, but everybody else will see it too. But right. if and somebody, and, and that's how you really get conversations going, and that's how yes. you can feel like you are uh, jumping in, and it's, again, not anything unwelcome. People want you to reply to them on Twitter, and they want you to... And that's the whole purpose. So no one needs to be put off by being a newcomer to that or a new, um, you know, you don't have to feel like you're a member of a group or not a member. You can just jump right in. You can, and people love that. Sometimes I just see something and I jump on, I jump into the conversation. Sometimes I would say, "Oh, I was tweet dropping," which means like yeah. he's. <laughs> And my opinion on, on that too. If you want to send more of a personal message, like say, "Oh, hi, can I email you for some more information on that or something?" You have the direct message option where it can go directly to them. Right? And not everybody will see what you say, but right? It, yes, if it's more um, private or more personal, yeah. Uh, if you see something else that comes up on your what you call your timeline, your timeline is everybody that you're following and all of their tweets. So you keep you look on your timeline. If you see something that looks really interesting, like somebody posts new research on you know um, the progress in autism with something related, and you say, "Oh, that sounds good," and you want other people to see it, you retweet it. Right. right? So it's your own tweet. It's somebody else's tweet that you're tweeting. You're it's quoting that. them. That's how I like to think about it. Yeah, you've quoted their tweet, but it goes out as you to the people who follow you. Yeah. And then another thing you can do is you can save it as a favorite. So you favorite that tweet because if you have, like me, I'm following over 600 people, so things are happening, interesting things are coming all the time, so, and it goes by so quickly. So if you see something right. quickly, you can favorite it. And then you can go back to your favorites and see all the tweets that you've chosen as your favorites and go through. Yeah, and that's a good tool. And I don't use that as much as I should. But I like what you mentioned about research because a lot of speech pathologists that I follow or groups or 
people who have blogs too will do a tweet and link maybe an article that they've read somewhere that's really interesting or again it could be a study and I have found Twitter to be a great way to really not only network but to keep up with what's happening um, easier than checking out a lot of different websites. Have you found that to be true as well? As well because there are lots of everybody's on Twitter now. I would say I have about 660 people following, and about 600 of those are speech therapy related. So there's always new stuff coming in. There's so many speech therapists on Twitter and other related fields. Um, we had we had a chat recently, and I'll go into SLP chat in a minute. And um, we had a chat recently, which um, was a joint collaboration between speech therapists and OTs, and right. it was so we could talk to them, what well, occupational therapist that is, and we could talk to them, ask them questions, how does this relate to speech therapy, how does this relate to occupational therapy. So we had a really great discussion on Twitter, and you're able to then continue that networking after. Yeah, I've, I have liked that too. I've participated in one or two that you guys have done with SLP Chat, and they're always tell us about that and tell us what that is and when that is and how you pick your topics. And you are one of the is moderator the word you use for? Yeah, moderator. Okay. Tell us tell us all about SLP Chat because that's another another great thing that I think happens yeah. on Twitter. And so initially, my colleague Tanya Coyle, she's from Canada. And myself, we're looking for a way to keep um, some of the tweets really focused on a specific topic. So we were thinking some sort of journal club, journal group thing. So mm-hmm. we journal club meets social networking. That's pretty much what SLP chat is. So we coined the hashtag SLP chat, and we created a separate account called SLP chat. And you can find everything about this chat at slpchat.wordpress.com and it tells okay. you how to, how to join the conversation. And what simply happens is we pick a topic or we ask people to give us a topic and we plan questions around this particular topic. So we've had things on fluency, we have, we've had them on AAC, we've had them on autism, just a range of topics. We plan these questions. And then at a certain set time, so we tell you when the next SLP chat is, at that set time, say Sunday afternoon between 2 and 3 usually, um, we get together, everybody comes and they join us for this chat and we throw up these questions and everybody gives their feedback on these questions and ask other questions as well. Right? Usually we plan it about once a month. The next one is coming mm-hmm. pretty soon too. Um, as far as I remember. Hang on one second. I have sirens. My office is on Main Street in our little town, and so anytime the fire trucks or the ambulances go down the street, it gets pretty darn loud. They're gone now. (laughs) No problem. Um, So I think coming up is December 2nd, but you can check the website. It should be up by midweek if we are having it December 2nd. Okay. talk about a topic and ask any questions you have related to that topic. And then we find that afterwards people are still doing their, even after the chat has finished, people are still doing their side chats related to the topic. And what I like about Twitter is that you can throw any question to to your followers, the people who are seeing your tweets, and Mm -hmm. within five minutes you get a response. And where else can you get that? (laughs) It's pretty instantaneous. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. Because you could say, it's funny because even things that aren't really related to like early intervention or research. The other day I was in a session with a child and we were using those stamps, you know, those stamps with pictures on them Mm -hmm. or you could stamp, stamp down onto the worksheets. And he got it all over his hands. (laughs) <laughs> no idea how to take it off. <laughs> so, for his parents come back, how do I get this off? And I took a picture, and in like two minutes, four people had messages with all different suggestions. And what worked? Would 
there was nail polish remover. That worked. Did it? <laughs> Somebody said warm water and soap, which so we tried everything. We made it into a little game. But <laughs> the end, nail polish remover was what worked to some extent because it still had a little bit on, but his dad was pretty good about it. He was like, ah, we get stuff like that all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, a parent who would get freaked out about that, I would be really worried because <laughs> that's pretty normal. That's a pretty normal occurrence. But it was so good how within less than two minutes, right. everybody was giving suggestions and then people checked up later to ask, you know, did everything work out okay? What did Dad say? Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, I do think it's a fun way to really meet people that you wouldn't normally meet. And then, like you, I don't know that I would have ever had a circumstance other than maybe meeting you at ASHA, uh, other than all of the cool social media kinds of opportunities that we have as professionals. And I think this would be great for professionals who feel like they're the only game in town where you they really have no relationships with uh, other speech pathologists or occupational therapists or, again, even anything that would be loosely related. I think it would be a wonderful way for other therapists to feel more connected, especially when they feel like again, that, that that they don't have those relationships or time or even uh, circumstances that would make it easy for them to make friends like that. So I think that it's just a great avenue. and I'm so glad that you told us about doing that and I hope people will feel more comfortable doing Twitter now and that they'll join your SLP chat. The ones that I've done, I've really liked and learned a lot. And, again, it's been really fun just to – uh, have the opportunity to interact with other therapists from from places that you would never even think about um, connecting with otherwise. So if you're looking to get onto Twitter, if anybody's looking to get onto Twitter, you can follow me even if like if you're feeling really lost even after you've signed up. Follow me, and I will introduce you because I usually send out a little tweet. Please mention, please welcome, sorry, XXX person. To the SLPs, give them a welcome, give them a follow, and people usually say, "Hey, welcome! How can we help you?" That's and great. All right, so should we spell your name for anyone that's listening because that they may not know how to get you otherwise. So my handle is Speech Rika. So that's you put an A before it. Sorry, put an at sign before it. That's the ampersand. Right. A at sign and Speech Rika. S- E-E-C-H-R-E-K-A. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. And I do Twitter. I have a personal account, but sometimes my daughter talks to me on there at Laramie. So I would follow <laughs> teachmetotalk.com. And I have .com on there as well. And sometimes people will say, I tried to follow you on Twitter and I couldn't get it. And it's always because they're not including the .com and um, Johnny is not in the office right now, so I can talk about him, but he's really particular about me putting that .com at the end of everything, so everything is really branded and stays consistent. So um, I'm not super um, great about being on Twitter every day, but I would love for um, anyone to follow me too, and I'll be glad to try to help people as best I can. Uh, feel more comfortable with that because I do think it's a really great way to get current information and, again, just to establish some professional relationships. And my colleague, Tanya, she has a really, really good set of posts, um, social media posts, and it's pretty much the hold your hand and walk you through social media and how to get onto Twitter on her blog, which is lexicolinguist.com wordpress.com sorry so I'll say it again lexicallinguist.wordpress.com and it tells you how to sign up it explains all the Twitter jargon that we talk about retweets and everything that's great well I'm going to post that on teachmetotalk.com's Facebook page and I'll post Tanya's WordPress article on there. We have uh, teachmetotalk.com has lots of followers on Facebook and I know lots of speech pathologists will say to me, I just got used to Facebook and I don't even know about this Twitter stuff. 
So maybe it'll make them feel a little bit more comfortable too in making that transition and then adding that. So that'll be a good one. That's good to know for you, Kate, isn't it? Don't you think you'll yeah. I've been looking at Twitter since you guys. <laughs> it took me about five minutes to find it on my phone, but hey, I did that, and and I'm working my. I found this SL Peeps group. Saw you on there, but I I'm really a novice. So when she says that she knows some people don't have a clue about this, that I would be among those people. <laughs> the process i want to get the hang of it you do you know yeah. and you get really addicted to it <laughs> I will it is pretty addictive especially uh, if you follow people outside the field too that might be again celebrity people or i don't know they're always just really funny things on twitter just things that make me laugh out loud so it is pretty addictive Yes, and it's like you create, uh, the SL Pizza has become a really big Twitter family. I always call them my family. And it's funny because after this Speech and Hearing Convention, um, right. the first time that I met most of them, and we all planned to meet up to go to dinner one night. It was a Wednesday night. And I walked into the, the restaurant and I'm there thinking to myself, I am going here to meet a whole bunch of strangers because <laughs> we never met before. But then when we when I walked in and we all saw each other, everybody was hugging and right. it was like we'd known each other for years because we have, you know, um, we've been talking constantly for the past couple of years just on Twitter and through social networking. So you felt like you were meeting old friends, too, after you got over that initial, oh, my gosh, I hope it's not weird, right? (laughs) Well, you could all just be like teenagers and get your phones out and communicate with one another that way. (laughs) (laughs) While you're sitting right beside them. Yeah, that's That's pretty funny how teenagers do that. Yeah. (laughs) We just our phones. Oh, that's funny. Yes. Okay, before we have so that is great. I'm so glad that you told us all about Twitter. But what I really want you to talk about is your great magazine. So talk to us about Easy Speak and tell us all about that. And I've mentioned Easy Speak on the show before, especially I mentioned your premiere issue because I thought that was so cool that you were doing that. And then this last issue, I wrote an article about um, my new book, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, and you were kind enough to ask me to write something about that. So I submitted that, and I thought that was really cool. And I've, I've put it, linked it on a couple things, but for people who haven't had a chance to look at that, talk to us about what that is. And after you're finished kind of giving us your spiel, I want to go back and you tell us about what inspired you to do that, because I think we have lots of speech pathologists who are secretly entrepreneurs and who may have a good idea but not be sure how to launch that. And I think an online magazine certainly tackling a a project of that enormity, you know, you kind of walking us through your whole um, how that came to be, it will be pretty inspirational for other therapists who might have a dream that they want to fulfill too. Sure. What was great is that, well, Twitter really inspired it for me because I saw so many, there was people giving so much different types of research. Um, There were so many lovely blog posts. There were so many things that I was seeing happening across a whole range of speech therapists. So I wanted to put it into a format where everybody could see it, where I could put it out for more people to see. And I also wanted to focus on the speech therapist, not only as a therapist, you know, not only as a professional in the field, but as a a person as well. So a person that wants to know what to wear, that wants to know, you know, what are the latest trends in therapy, what do you have in your therapy bag, um, what should my therapy bag look like in terms of style and fashion. So I I gave different sections to it. So I had things like the style and fashion section. Um, I have an embarrassing moment. Which has certainly piqued Kate's interest. Anytime Mm -hmm. I've talked about it, I'll be talking about it. I'll say, and there's a section on 
fashion. And Kate always says, what? What? Wait that again. <laughs> I've, I've checked it out now. This is the second issue, I think. It has about guy male fashion in it. <laughs> so what we're saying is that we got really good articles from the male speech therapist this issue, and they were not only writing articles about therapy. We had a nice article about how to dress and um, what really characterizes good male style. Yeah, and then the guys and they're very excited to be male models. They're a bit disappointed that they didn't want to. We had a speedos conversation for a little while. I I, I think we'll have to pass on that one this time. Maybe another a future issue. Oh, but, I don't know, Sharika. I don't know. <laughs> There's actually talk of a male calendar after this, but... Um, it was that they get to show themselves as as people too, because right. sometimes people look at speech therapists as stuffy. We go to work and we have to know what this research is and you know this type right. of intervention. But you know, I wanted to show that we we make mistakes as well. Everybody makes mistakes as well, and that's why I put in the embarrassing moments point pieces as well. So that people yeah, can see. that's a cute article. Yeah, a cute little feature. Yeah, I mean, I have those moments every day. <laughs> those Me too. I was going to say, if anybody's listened to the show, our show before, Kate and I talk about things that don't work uh, pretty often because it happens. It happens to everybody, no matter how long you've done this job. And it's good to really showcase that these things happen because we're still human. You know, right. and. I wanted to do was get articles on things that people are interested in, like early intervention. That's why I I approached Laura because I saw that she had an excellent book on mm-hmm. about teach me, teaching children to talk, and then there was the built yeah. and verbal imitation. And I said, you know, this is what I want in my magazine. I want people to see this and see things that work and see things that that people are using in their therapy sessions that are being effective for them and to share those ideas so that everybody can see in a place as, in one place as they flip through a magazine. Exactly. And it's, and it's called so, Tell People How to Get There. Tell them the URL and tell them how they can get it, how they can subscribe. Okay, you can subscribe by going to easyspeakmag.com, easyspeakmagmag.com, mm-hmm. and then you can subscribe to find out when the next issues are, and you can download it from there. So you're going to see a big picture of whoever the cover feature is. And what I like to do for the cover feature is that I like to choose a big name in speech therapy, but then ask them things like, how did you get into this? You know, what was your most embarrassing moment? You know, how was right. grad for you? See, seeing them again as a person. So I did Lisa Paul initially, who uh, who is very big in language disorders. And then right. Barry was our second issue. And he's big in autism and the search model. So then I didn't only ask them about their models. I asked them things about, you know, what do you do in your spare time? How do you manage to balance work and family? And these are all the questions that we want to know as, as therapists coming up because we just see them as having all the textbooks and having all the research. But it's like, you know, exactly. how do you this? Are you really superwoman, you know? <laughs> now, did you know them already, Sharika, or oh, I- did you just ask them to do your publication. And I said, you know, I'm doing a magazine. I'd really like to interview you for this. And they said, sure. They were really, really good about it. That's great. That's great. I wondered if you knew them before, if you had met them before, or if you just were really brave and just put it all out there and contacted them and, you know, without meeting them or having a prior personal relationship. I, I did, and I always say that you would not believe that I'm shy because I had to think it myself to say, okay, I have to contact them because I really, these are people that I've admired, like, through reading their research, through doing their programs and stuff, so I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, and yeah. They were lovely. They were lovely. That's the thing because even 
Schiphol, she went into it without me having any sort of idea of a magazine before because it would have been different for Barry because I could have showed him the first issue. But with Rhea, wow. I said, Rhea Paul, I said, um, well, I have this idea for a magazine. I really want you to be our cover feature. I want to look at you as a person. She was like, sure. Aww. That that had to be flattering to them, too, for you to ask that. And I think a lot of times people really shy away from um, doing that with, with, again, someone who has attained celebrity status in our field, uh, but they're like you've um, shown in the magazine, really normal, regular people, regular therapists too. So it's great that you've been able to uh, get such big names to participate in your your first two issues. Now, how often does this? How often are you published? What do you do? Or how uh, how often are you doing that? I publish every April and September, so it's a fall and a, a spring issue. Yeah, I do. Because you do still have, I was going to say, you do still have a regular job in addition to all of your great online stuff that you're doing. <laughs> so it takes a while to put it together. And coming up to that time, there are some sleepless nights. Yeah. But it's like a hobby for me. I really, really enjoy doing it. And I love to see the finished product and to get the feedback about the finished product, too. And I'm usually putting all the articles in with this huge smile on my face and reading through probably about 100, 100 times thinking, oh, I love this. And it's just good to show you. I didn't catch that last thing you said, Sharika. You cut out. What did you say? That it was so. it's so good to showcase all this great talent. Right, yeah therapists have you know because people cause people message you after they email after you and say well I really love that article you know it really helped me I love you, this column and can you they give feedback for different things so you know it's a process and I'm I'm growing as we continue so, so what's been what's your most important lesson you've learned after two issues under your belt and as a, as starting a brand new again I think this is probably the only publication like this so so tell us what lessons you've learned um it's taught, it, it's taught me that you know, no matter where you are in the world because I'm in a small country some people haven't even heard about my country so right. Uh, doesn't matter where you are in the world, um, you you can still make some sort of impact on your field, on whatever field you're in, and that has really taught me that because I can call up big what we call the celebrities in the field, and they they spoke to me and they they were able to share their stories, and it didn't really matter who I was or where I was from. It didn't matter that I how much experience I had. So it's kind of an an incentive for any therapist wherever in the world that they can start something, you know, they can start something no matter how small and it can grow there because right now the magazine is going to over 800 subscribers so far. And it's That's continuing. great. And, it, and for a new project and just from my experience with, uh, com and the DVDs that we've done and the books that we've done, 800 subscribers in that amount of time is is really um, a, a great feat for you, and that's a great number. And I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, if you haven't subscribed yet, um, to really uh, do that soon so that you're not going to miss Sharika's next um New one that comes out, but you can take a look at the old ones too. And there, I liked it so much. I enjoyed so much flipping through there. And Kate, I was talking to Kate before the show as she was flipping through, and you, you liked that too, even as a non-speech pathologist, huh, Kate? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I think it's even uh, related fields. And I think we have OT friends who would enjoy reading that, and who, and who've heard. And there's some some crossover. Um, information there as well. So I, I think it's just a great publication. I love that you're doing that, and I just wish you all the success in the world with that and hope that we can get you some new subscribers from um, our listeners today. 
hope that we can work together in another issue as well. I would love that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'll never turn down that opportunity. I would love that. That would be great. All right, talk to us about your blog, because all of this started, all, you did your blog before you did anything else, right? I did. Um, I didn't even realize my blog would have been so well received, because I, I just did it initially to tell people about what I was doing in therapy and what worked and what was fun for me, um, what I liked as, as my you know, my top toys in therapy, that sort of stuff. And people started to read it. (laughs) (laughs) But we understand your surprise. We still can't believe that anybody actually listens to our podcast, but apparently they're out there. My car. (laughs) But it was was really good because I get to share a whole set of my ideas, and I always tell my friends the wheels in my head are constantly turning. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad but this year, quite a bit of that, I like to post little pictures of some of the things I do, because I like to sometimes, and you think? Sharika, I think you're breaking up a little bit. Kate, can you hear her clearly? No, she's cutting in and out, too, for me. Yeah. If that's my connection, is that any better? That is a little bit better. I was saying that. Okay, so start over, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, I like to do unconventional therapy, I call it sometimes. So I like to be really flexible in my therapy, and that's what I like about having private practice. Because sometimes, like the other day, I took the day off, well, the afternoon off from from my regular clients, so I could go on a field trip with two of my clients um, to what we would call the petting zoo, uh-huh. so that we could work on their AAC. So they had their communication boards, and I just wanted to make it really functional. So I was able to go with them and do lots of um, ICA so we could talk about the animals that we saw. And I just like to make things functional. So I like to put those ideas that I'm doing. If we're doing like a shopping activity, if we're doing um, some water play, I like to put those ideas on my blog. Because, you know, sometimes there are therapists that even I am sometimes, a lot of time, I should say, looking for new things to do. You know, sure. looking for new ways to teach a certain skill. You know, looking for ways to have, therapy carry over to um to the real world. Exactly. Angle for it to generalize to outside the clinic setting. So I like to put my ways, I, I like to be crazy with it because I'm known as a crazy therapist here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so with eye patch on and talking like a pirate, <laughs> which would have been my last post. My last blog post. <laughs> I saw that. That is really cute. That was really cute. And wrong singing yo ho ho and a bottle of bubbles. <laughs> there you go. Way to make it developmentally appropriate. <laughs> and you know, I want to share that with I want to share that with everybody and say, you know what, you could use this in your therapy too and let me know how it goes. And I also like to share like little materials that I make. I, I share some of my printables. One time there was a whiteboard house that I made. So people still mail me, send me emails a lot of the time, telling me, oh, ask if they could have those pictures to that um, going to whiteboard house. Right. Just to see that I can I can help and I could share my ideas with others. Yeah, and that's how we, I think we had we had connected by email previously, but last year around, well, I think it was the beginning of this year, I saw on Pinterest where someone had pinned your blog post about your top five favorite toys. So I was reading the blog and saw that cute frog in a box, which I immediately stopped and ordered on Amazon right there because when you've done this job as long as I have, you know a toy You'll know a winner when you see it. And I knew within seconds of looking at that 
uh, your entry about that, that that was a, would be a great toy. So I ordered my thing on Amazon, and then I went back to your blog, and I was reading down and kind of skimming, and all of a sudden I thought, teach me to talk your therapy manual. And that really piqued my interest, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she's read my stuff. So that was cool for me, and then I emailed you about that. So that was uh that was really fun for me. And I think the idea that you said on there that you liked was uh, wind-up toys. And that, that made your top five list for um, last year. And I think wind-up toys are just great and collect those. And I'm a little bit obsessive about finding new ones to add to my collection all the time. So I love seeing that on your blog. Yeah, thank you. And I thought about you this morning because I was opening, I went to open a, a bag and a little one. She just started to go zip. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing how many do that. That's a great verbal routine. Now, it's more functional for those of us who actually have winter. I don't know that you get much of a winter in Barbados, do you, Sharika? No, I don't. It's really hot here right now. <laughs> you were a little cold when you were in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, too, and I think because it actually got down to freezing there. Do you ever – how cold does it get in Barbados? Um, it goes to very, very cold of about 21 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure how much that is. What uh, is that? Not- Kate, do you know? Uh, I'm sure I have an app for that, but no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think – let me think about that. Well, it doesn't zero. sound very cold to me. It's about 30, seven. Zero is freezing, right, in Celsius? So when I tell you it goes to about 70, that's, that's our average really chilly when people start to put on, like, a, a, a cardigan or something. At, at 70? 70. Wow, because that's nice <laughs> weather. <laughs> chilly wind blowing, and that would break, carry it to about 68 Mm. Oh gosh! <laughs> right, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and in Kentucky, we do not wear jackets at sixty-eight. I can tell you, we have all four seasons here, and that's one of the wonderful things about living uh, where we do. But that's pretty funny that it uh, it's just so cool to talk to someone who lives in a totally different climate and again to think that you would think that that's cold is uh, gives me a chuckle. Yeah. Well, Sharika, Kate, I can have a, a I just want to ask her a quick kind of serious question. Go ahead. I was wondering in your practice in Barbados, have you seen the significant increase in kids with autism that we are experiencing here in the yes. United States? You know, what's happening here, and I'm just seeing this huge influx of two, three-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I get about two a week now, even if they're not coming in, they're calling, and you're just seeing these symptoms. Up to this morning, I had a new assessment with the same characteristics, two years old, lots of autistic-like characteristics, I would call them, all the stimming, the spinning, the language delay, mm-hmm. the laughter interaction and I just keep saying what's happening here right so you're seeing that big increase in numbers as well Mm -hmm. some countries aren't seeing that but I think now most of the world um, is experiencing that great increase and I certainly know my caseload looks completely different now in 2012 you know, than it did when I first started working in the early 90s. You know, it just, it's, uh, the the ratio and the kinds of kids that we see now are completely different than it was 20 years ago. That's true, because the, the majority of my caseload right now has um, characteristics of autistic spectrum disorder. I'll tell you. Now, do you get do you diagnose that in your country? How does that work in Barbados? Are you are you uh, is that okay for you to diagnose yeah. autism? I usually send them to the developmental pediatrician or psychologist to diagnose. There are some speech therapists here that are trained in ADOS, uh-huh. which is the diagnostic scale, and able to diagnose. But they usually do it in a multidisciplinary setting. In any case, along with a psychologist. Right, and so that's really similar to what we do in the United States. And I think in the United States it really, 
most places are doing that with the uh, the multidisciplinary assessment. But in some states and in some programs, speech pathologists are really prohibited or highly discouraged from making that assessment, even though, or making that diagnosis, even though uh, the American Academy or, or the American Speech and Hearing Association uh, says that a speech pathologist is perfectly within their uh, scope of practice to be able to make that diagnosis since autism is a social communication disorder and we are experts in social communication skills. So, right. again, and I think, go ahead. Okay, and we know it. You know, from the time a child right. walks to our clinic, you can see, you know the signs, you, right. you know this is what's happening here. Because I right. think we are because we see so much of it that right. we know everything to look for in terms of the the core triad. So exactly. Well, that was a great question, Kate. And well, I'm sorry to hear your answer, but I was interested to know: is it is it even happening in the beautiful country of Barbados? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, sorry to hear that, but. I guess not too surprised. I think we need to be a lot more research now to see pretty much what has changed. Mm-hmm. Now, what now? Right. Okay. I think people are looking at lots of different things. I think what's so exciting to me about new research is just that we can uh, really be um, looking at children at younger and younger ages so that we can provide intervention and truly change the course of a child's trajectory if we get services started soon enough and do tons of parent training with that. So that's the most exciting thing happening mm-hmm. with me. It would be great if we could find the cause, if we could mm-hmm. find a link there, but even if we're not, just to be able to identify children at younger and younger ages and provide the services that we know make a real difference is it's really exciting. Yeah, because I went to course while I was at ASHA on early identification and children, and they were looking at things that you could see even in infants. Right. Looking at early signs, and there's some really good research that's coming out with that now. Yeah, and I think that's... That I've been reading a lot of that, and I think it's really, um, I hope it really does a lot to help us in early intervention be even more confident of the services that we provide and not a lot of times early intervention SLPs shy away from uh, making a diagnosis or even making sure that parents know there is a name for all of these things that your child is doing. So, again, I, I think that looking at those red flags and recognizing them, even in infancy, uh, will will help us uh, be able to provide that early intervention even earlier than we do now. And the typical age of referral for a child with autism spectrum disorders, you know, I haven't seen – a you know, hard data on this, but it's still around two. And the research that you're talking about, they're looking at kids in that six to 12 months of age uh, window. So that's a full year to year and a half earlier than a kid might be referred. So I think it's super, super information. Yeah, and I still find that there are a lot of pediatricians. I don't know how it is in in the U.S., but there's still a lot of pediatricians that are saying, you know what, he's still young given some time. It's the right. same. No, nope, that's the same. <laughs> that's unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like we have two schools of pediatricians, and I use the term loosely. But one group, they're really proactive. They seem to be very much in tune with the red flags. They they have concerns themselves. They refer them early and often, which is great. And then the other flip side of that is, don't worry, he's a boy, he's just independent, he'll be fine. And it's like, gee, mm, if only that were true, that would be great. But, you know, they're telling parents that when kids have so many red flags, you'd think it couldn't be missed, but it is. And that's still our struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But that's what keeps us going and what unites us all, no matter what country we live in. 
So that's going to be my segue to wrap up the show. And, Sharika, thanks so much for calling in and talking with us about all of your great projects and all the super things that you have going on. And we just loved having you as a guest. And we hope that you'll come back. Maybe when you're getting ready to release your April issue, you can come back and talk to us about what's in Easy Speak um, magazine for that one. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to try and follow you on Twitter. I'm not saying I'm capable, but I did find your SLP stuff on there. So if Laura will give me a, a introductory lesson, private, I probably can figure it out. So I hope to I will see you give on you that Twitter, private lesson. I will give you that private lesson the next phone call we have. I promise. Very good. <laughs> All right. Thanks great. so much, Sharika. We thank you. It. Great meeting, Bye. Kate. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. That does it for this week. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll join you here next week. Bye. Bye, Laura.